forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning or winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hello, my name is Dan Abnett, and I've been asked to talk through the first issue of Rye from Valiant. Uh, I'm sitting here in my office uh, in the UK. If you hear sounds in the background, it's either the last vestiges of bonfire night or Brexit's gone horribly wrong. Valiant came to me to uh, to write the new series. Uh, I'm very pleased to do so. I particularly like science fiction. Uh, coming from a sort of British heritage of 2000 AD, it seemed to be a strip that would suit me down to the ground. Uh, originally, I was supposed to write the series coming off the back of the Fallen World event, uh, which set everything up. And as it turned out, uh, I ended up writing the Fallen World event anyway. Uh, so I had built my own foundations for this series. Uh, the premise is that we're several centuries, several thousand years, in fact, into the future. Uh, and most of humanity lives in a, a seeming paradise um, uh, in, in, in orbit. Uh, looked after by uh, Father, who is an AI construct, who is apparently benevolent and, and looks after things brilliantly. Um, and his uh, his son is Rai, who is a partly synthetic warrior designed to protect the people of, of Earth. Uh, over the years, Rai has discovered that Father is not as benevolent as he might first appear. It's a fairly dystopian future. He's very, very controlling. And eventually Rai rose up and... Uh, face down father and ultimately in Fallen World uh, or just before Fallen World we saw that he he brought uh, the orbital crashing down to the surface of the earth in an effort to destroy father and free human race um, and in Fallen World we saw how he was struggling to help them rebuild most of the humans and indeed the positronics who are human form uh, synthetics uh, most of them regarded him as uh, as somebody who had sort of liberated them from heaven. They weren't necessarily particularly happy about their new state, even though Rai knew they were much better off the way they were. In Fallen World, Rai discovers that that Father uh, has survived. He survived in the form of things called the Offspring, which are, are sort of mini versions, mini backup versions of him. And he uh, has scattered those across the surface of the earth. And if he collects 12 of them, he can restore his full uh, AI consciousness. So Rai, having felt that his work was done uh, and had renounced violence, is now set out on a quest to find and destroy as many of these offspring as possible to make sure that they don't uh, resurrect the threat of father. So Rai, in the ongoing series, is roaming the earth, and he's doing so in the company of Rai Jin, who is a, um, uh, a prototype Rai, and actually an older model, a previous version, but, but Rai Jin... Uh, appears to be a young boy. So we have the, the odd effect of uh, Rai's older brother looks like his younger brother. Uh, the two of them form, a, form an odd partnership. Raijin is uh, was sort of a publicity machine designed to, uh, to, to, to resemble a small boy. Um, he's very capable, uh, quite powerful in his own right, and most particularly has the ability to track the offspring. So they have this uh, mutual reliance to get the job done. Raijin gives us an opportunity to, uh, or gives me as the writer, an opportunity to to examine Rai's nature and to have some uh, some quite amusing conversations between the two of them. 
So it's sort of a road movie. Uh, it's a buddy buddy story, and uh, the star of the show really is the strange Earth that they're investigating. As I said, this is the very far future. This is the year four thousand and something AD. <clears throat> it's a it's a it's a very far future world that has been left alone for a long time and has developed in its own ways. So. Essentially, the brief was almost anything is possible. There are weird communities, there are weird high technologies and low technologies there. It does not resemble the world as we know it. Um, and therefore, almost everything is possible, anything is possible. Uh, in the series, what I wanted to do to begin with was to do sort of standalone issues that were individual adventures where interesting things might happen uh, to set up a sort of uh, narrative rhythm. Uh, to sort of reveal to the reader the sort of strange things that is possible to encounter here on Earth. Um, however, there is a meta story growing in the background that will become apparent as the issues progress, and then we'll get slightly longer story arcs that links those things together. But it's it's picaresque in the old sense. It's a it's a it's a journey. It's a it's a travelogue. It's a quest. Um, in many respects, it's very mythical, which uh, an aspect of it that I quite liked. And we're dealing with. Rye himself, he has, um, as I said, renounced violence, although he's more than capable of producing it at sort of superhuman levels. Uh, and uh, and he sort of really, really wants to learn more about his human side rather than his synth synthetic side. He's, uh, he's very much uh, anti-artificial life and artificial intelligences after the, uh, the trauma having to deal with uh, uh, father and the legacy of father. So in this first issue, I wanted to drop the reader right into at the deep end um, and uh, uh, begin as we mean to go on with sort of craziness and strangeness. Um, I'm working with uh, uh, Juan, the artist, uh, Juan Joe, as we refer to him, who is simply superb. It is a, and always a great pleasure for a comic book artist to uh, get the pages in, get the art in as, as an issue gets drawn and see these pages arrive and see what has happened to the script and what it's going to look like. And it's, it is it is essentially always a pleasure. I've had the honour of working with some great artists over the years. Uh, Juan Joe has, has just blown me away. The first pages of this came in, I couldn't believe what he was doing in terms of uh, the detail, the storytelling, the characterisation, everything about it is is phenomenal. Uh, I said in an interview recently, actually, that uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the, the reason to buy Rye is the art alone. It is phenomenal. I hope the story is good too, uh, but uh, but the art is, is simply stellar. And um, one of the nice things about it is that uh, Juan has, has, to me, it feel, really feels like he's bought into it as much as I have. I've put quite a lot of effort into imagining this world and imagining the relationships and the characters involved in it. And he... He has done the same with the art. In fact, sometimes he's giving me visuals that, that surpass anything I've asked for in the script, which has allowed me to go back then and develop things further on. So later on in some of the later issues, there are strands that have evolved, that have come about simply because he's drawn something so incredible that I've wanted to follow up on it. In this first issue, we start slap bang with a, uh, uh, a splash page or a large splash image of this sort of wasteland community that uh, has done the most sort of uh, extraordinary things, erecting these uh, wrecked machines as uh, as warning notices. Uh, I wanted to start with the sort of that note of the surreal, um, almost a, a sort of a visual gag, uh, because what I wanted to do in the first few pages is really establish our main characters of uh, of Rai and Raijin, and and to show first of all uh, Raijin's innocence, 
and a very matter of fact approach to things. He's, he's sort of not very, very conversant with how to deal with human beings, particularly sort of feral human beings. And uh, also I wanted to, 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 to establish uh, Rai's sort of diffidence, the fact that he's got a mission, he's on a mission, he's got this mission in his mind and he doesn't really want to be delayed and everything is slightly frustrating when something delays him that, that is, seems to be sort of um, inefficient or, uh, or sort of not, not, not economic. So we drop them in there, they, they, they've, clearly it is revealed within the first couple of pages, they have broken down, their transport's broken down in the middle of this desert, close to this, this community of, um, uh, of, of dangerous looking individuals. And whilst Rai is attempting to fix the uh, vehicle, uh, Raijin confronts the people who are approaching them. Uh, so we get this great sort of, as I say, I think wonderfully surreal image uh, downplayed with a sort of a, a single line gag. Uh, and Rajin does his best to to handle the uh, negotiation, really, with, with people who are twice the size of him and armed to the teeth. Um, I wanted Rai's reveal to be very, very cinematic. In fact, all of it, all the way through, I've tried to be cinematic. I've asked uh, Juan to do as many page-wide panels as possible to get that widescreen feel. Uh, and and there is a sort of uh, I hope sort of spaghetti westernish sense of 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 Rise reveal. He he's working on the car as we see on the second page. He's working with the uh, the hood up, and sort of we only really see him when he steps out from behind this. He's talking before that, but he steps out from behind that. I wanted that sort of slow reveal, that kind of laconic reveal. Um, and in the dialogue, there are little points that the 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 the, the sort of the the the, the Dialogue said by the the uh, the, the the outlaws uh, is very colloquial, and Rajin's is more precise. And he says, uh, for instance, he says, uh, by way of explanation, he says, "Our vehicle errored, and we're fixing it." Using the word "errored," you know, sort of incorrectly, but he's talking about it, you know, sort of a machine talking about another machine. I wanted to build their personalities like that as quickly as possible. Uh, the negotiations, needless to say, do not go well, uh, and it's uh, it's it's essentially page three before we get the moment where where Raya reluctantly reveals himself and realizes he's got to do something about it. Um, uh, then again, there's a little bit of, of of I hope cunning exposition in as much as the uh, disguised exposition. Uh, that is to say that we we learn a little bit more about the world and the fact that some of these people have heard of the Raya and the synthetic warriors of New Japan. Uh, but they believe they're myths. Um, so we, we sort of I was trying to seed a little backstory, a little little clues for new readers who've not read anything before as to what's going on and who these people are. Um, the the outlaws take great delight in sort of uh, roughing Raijin up a bit, and uh, uh, Rai sort of encourages him to to deal with him himself. So we get then get this sort of Astro Boy Astro Boy moment where 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 Raijin uses his his robotic abilities to uh, to to leap around and and be. Uh, superhuman, which so serves really just to uh, to rile the antagonists up, which is uh, not a great start for anything. Um, again, amazing visuals there. There's sort of the the, the sense of oppression as the as the as the outlaws gather around the the the, the menace of them. Uh, the fact they sort of over literally overshadow Rajin, I, I think, is some 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 great work there. Uh, Ryan, meanwhile, goes back to just fixing his car, just as sort of not really bothered. There is an element of the callous about Rai, which we're going to explore further as we go along. But <clears throat> unfortunately, he sort of sees Rajin as a as a an instrument, as a, a useful tool, um, not really as an individual with his own rights. And and that becomes a point of real friction between the two of them as they go along. Uh, as Rajin gets into into trouble uh, and is 
beginning to be overwhelmed. Um, he, uh, again, Rai's coaching him because he doesn't really want to get involved in the fight himself. So Raijin uses more of his powers, including sort of his ability to, to effectively levitate or fly to, uh, to, to uh, further sort of anger and outrage the, uh, um, uh, the outlaws who are, are gathered around to, uh, to, to do away them. And eventually his, his abilities have proved to be so superhuman that the, the outlaws flee in terror. Um, this incidentally, this moment of, of Rajin levitating, which seems very minor, uh, is going to prove to be very much more important as we go on later on in actually through the next few issues, because uh, Rajin and Rai are, are operating sort of undercover. They don't want to be detected by any of their opponents, like the offspring. Uh, so they are trying to use their powers and abilities, their, their positronic powers and abilities, as little as possible so that they won't be detected. Uh, so this is a sort of a, a sort of a momentary slip that will have consequences later on. It's worth noting, although that it doesn't have a, a huge bearing here in the first issue, that the the big villain in this series uh, is the one we set up in the Fallen World crossover, which is that that um, uh, one of the offsprings uh, has managed to possess the body of uh, Bloodshot, who is still around in this future world, uh, and and his nanite body is a perfect host for the offspring and he's become this uh, uh, figure called the Bloodfather, incredibly dangerous, who is also collecting offspring to make himself more powerful. So there is a there is a clock ticking through this series as 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 Rai and the Bloodfather both quest to get get to offspring first. And every time the Bloodfather does that, uh, uh, you know, he gets more powerful. Uh, so we've got a we that's part of the part of the meta that's running underneath this. Um, um, I, we spend a little time after the uh, the outlaws have been scared off, watching Ryan Rajin discuss their 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 quest and the nature of their relationship. Um, uh, it's sort of again a little bit of recapping for new readers. I, I didn't. I wanted to be a very naturalistic dialogue. I wanted to make it feel like a natural conversation, but I also wanted to uh, uh, to fill in the gaps without it being you know heavily expositional. Um, I didn't want that moment where, you know, Rajin says, well, as you know, right, and then proceeds to explain something that, of course, they wouldn't need to talk about because they knew full well. Uh, so I hope I hope that sort of thing works. I think it's it's made infinitely more effective by the character acting that one has brought to the the art. The characters look look terrific. Um, as we move through the issue, uh, they stop and rest for the night. Uh, and during that night, uh, Rai has a dream. He takes his dreams to be evidence that he is more human than machine. And he he dry he dreams of uh, uh, of the love that he believes is he's lost. Momo, who who he believes is still out there, uh, that he's secretly questing for. So his his quest is sort of double edged. He has the great uh, courageous humanitarian quest of dealing with. The offspring, but he also has a personal quest along along the way, and and he sort of needs to keep those things separate. Um, the there is, I think, an air of slight menace about the dream that uh, that Momo, although it is his heart's desire and is is affectionate towards him, she sort of seems to be withholding information and uh, and almost steering him. And I think that we're we're already setting up the idea that um, that things in in Rai's head or things that are influencing Rai's mind are perhaps not as sympathetic as they might be. Again with that sequence, uh, one is 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 using the art to convey that's the 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 regularized 
or semi-regularized page wide panels, the cinematic feel we've had there breaks down during the course of the dream. So we get we get uh, smaller and and uh, more intimate panels uh, handled in a rather different way to 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 express the fact that this is a different state of being. Quite apart from the fact that that, that Rye looks like his old self rather than his current self, but there is a. Uh, the, 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 another great example of the story is the visual storytelling matching the, the the atmosphere of the the story itself. By the midpoint of the issue, we have had our heroes arriving at what is essentially a truck stop. It's an almost old school, uh, what we in the UK would call a petrol station or garage, a service station in the middle of nowhere that is sort of serving community. the community. It's got a bar there. Um, again, the surreal nature of this, we're not really explaining. We're just saying these sorts of things can happen. This is clearly some kind of trading post that, post that people visit for fuel, for food, for drinks, whatever. It's got a very old school um, barman behind the counter with a bow tie and a waistcoat. Uh, these were the sorts of ideas that I was throwing at Juan and saying, you know, let's just make this, you know, it makes it makes a certain sort of sense, but we don't need to explain the full detail of that sense. We just accept it for what it is. So they sit and uh, they ha sit and have a drink whilst their their vehicle is um, being repaired and, and fueled. Uh, Rye is trying to be human, um, um, but uh, again he seems very clumsy at it. And at this point in the story, we realise that the uh, the outlaws from the opening scene have not given up and are coming back seeking a great deal of revenge. So it would have been easy at that point unconventional, shall I say, to just have the rest of the issue be this tremendous battle where, where Rai himself is forced to deal with the outlaws rather than leaving it to Raijin and we get to see, get to showcase his immense power and might. But I wanted to do it again in a, in a slightly uh, eccentric way, which I, I think works really, really well. I hope I hope the readers will agree. But um, uh, when Rai realises Rai realizes that there is trouble coming, he leaves Raijin at the bar and uh, goes outside to deal with himself. Uh, and now this bar area is, has got enormous picture windows looking out into the desert, so we can see the outside, although it's, it's separated from us. So for the next sequence, which I, I think is particularly tremendous, uh, uh, Rai walks out into the open. We see that in a tremendous splash image where he's facing this onrushing army of outlaws, very sort of, I suppose, very Mad Max, but there's also sort of... Uh, animatronic dinosaurs being ridden towards him. I mean, just about everything horrible you could possibly imagine coming his way. And he calmly walks out to face them um, as if not bothered at all. And meanwhile, inside, uh, Rajin is sitting at the bar, enjoying his drink, chatting to the bartender. The bartender's getting increasingly worried and flustered about what's about to happen. He's never seen the outlaws gather in these strengths before. He's not quite sure what's going to happen, except that he's pretty sure that... Uh, uh, that his two customers are about to die horribly and then he'll probably die along with them. Uh, so what we get from that point on is this conversation between uh, uh, Rajin and the bartender, which again covers some exposition, although it's quite personal exposition, and it's a, uh, it's a it's natural exposition, again, which is what I was striving towards uh, because the bartender doesn't know anything about this, so Rajin can legitimately explain this all to him. And whilst that's happening outside, Rai is just going berserk and taking down the opposition in the most spectacular way. Um, this was one of the areas that uh, that I, I had this idea up front about how I wanted that to happen. Um, and I uh, described it in the script to, to Juan to see, see if he could do it. And I think he's done it amazingly. So f first of all, as I say, we see Rai walk outside to face the, the, the mob. And then we're back inside with the people drinking in the bar. 
the conversation's going on. And the first we realise that anything is is going on outside, the first we we, we realise that uh, uh, that the sort of uh, the wheels have come off, is that we see bodies flying past the window. The bartender reacts, but Raijun doesn't. So so I love this idea that we've got this you know this incredibly spectacular fight going on, but we're sort of it's sort of happening in the background. Uh, there is something surreal, there's something I think quite essentially comedic, but there's also something quite realistic about that because the focus of the story is this conversation and outside we see all manner of terrible things happening. When we finally move outside, uh, I, I, there was something I wanted to do, as I said, I put it in the script and, 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 and to see what uh, Juan would do with it and he's done the most amazing job. I wanted uh, it to look as though uh, Rai was barely moving he is clearly fighting. He's clearly taking out these people en masse. He's, he's shredding vehicles. He's hurling people into the air. He's taking on dinosaurs. But he's moving, this was my suggestion, he's moving at such speed that we don't really see the blows that he's striking. The, 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 the sort of, uh, you know, he essentially appears just to be walking forward with his arms at his side because everything else he's doing is happening with such snap speed that it's, it's invisible to us. It's moving too fast. So we have this bizarre and I think brilliantly drawn action sequence where where Raijin just walks through, uh, just walks through this thing with chaos happening around him, and and we realise that he's causing the chaos. It's just that we can't see him causing the chaos. The detail, um, the the momentum, the dynamic, the storytelling in this, I think, is extraordinary. I mean, Han's done a brilliant job up to this point, but this is this is really amazing stuff he's done slight blurring around the figure to suggest movement that sort of subliminal movement that we can barely see um we see this incredible kinetic impacts happening all around him where where Raya is just moving relentlessly and remorselessly forward uh, I, I think it's terrific it, it's sort of like i said it was an, like, this idea i had in advance i thought would that work is it gonna is that gonna is that gonna be effective I, i'm not sure uh, and I was prepared to scrap it and go more conventionally if uh, if Juan came back and said I can't make it work or he drew something that that we agreed you know wasn't really getting the point across. But I think he has just done it brilliantly. Um, I think it's terrific, and I think it sort of makes the sheer scale of the violence that Rai is dishing out all the more shocking. He's not just a superhero. He's not just an unstoppable warrior machine he's not you know he's not he, he sort of he, he goes beyond the point of, of of simple superhuman heroics to a point where there is something terrifyingly controlled and calculating and all-powerful about him that's kind of what i wanted to do and i think that because i really wanted to reflect the idea that that's how uh rye feels about himself he's sort of afraid of himself he knows exactly how powerful and devastating he can be and exactly what sort of monstrous carnage he can dish out and he he therefore is restrained it's 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 sort of i suppose going back to to um to many stories particularly classic stories of martial arts where the where the martial artist knows that the, with the slight his slightest movement he can do something devastating to another human body and therefore tries to remain completely calm and tranquil and and not to rise to provocation or anything like that and that's really what is i think is happening here is that is that that Rai is, is really resistant to this. He wants to follow a path of peace. To, he's only doing this because he must, and uh, he's the one to do it, not Rai Jin. And so he does it, but he does it with a kind of clinical efficiency, uh, which inevitably causes chaos, but he does it with this clinical efficiency. So so I, I sort of really wanted the back half of the issue to show us the Rai that Rai himself is afraid of being, uh, because I think that's quite a, quite an interesting 
quite an interesting idea. Um, anyway, so the, the action then continues quite spectacularly um, and the bartender is increasingly horrified by the sorts of things he's seeing. Uh, Rajin is just continuing to to enjoy his soft drink and and be amused by the the the, the, um, um, the story he's telling, he's not bothered. He's seen all this before. He knows what Rai is capable of. It, it's this is not a spectator sport for him. He doesn't need to look. He knows it's being dealt with. He's not even you know ghoulishly fascinated in the nature of the devastation that's being wrought. Uh, it's very he's very matter of fact. So I, I think that in in the course of this very simple. Very, very simple sequence, which is essentially an action sequence to showcase uh, Rai. We have, we have established a great deal about Rai's character and nature and his personality. We've established a great deal about Rai Jin's character and nature and the relationship between them. And we've also got the bartender there as a witness being absolutely appalled at both. He's, he's, a, he's appalled at Rai's violent nature, but he's also appalled at Rai Jin's sort of uh, apparently dismissive disinterested attitude to it which uh, i think is uh, i think is very effective so we're using using a scene that that, uh, that 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 does one obvious thing to establish about four or five other things uh, about who these people are and how they operate um again i'm just looking at the artwork in front of me here the the the, the, the action sequence is extraordinary um just just I, I can think of very very few artists who could who could put in that kind of level of detail, the sort of collateral damage and the debris spraying around, it's just uh, just extraordinary. Um, uh, I, I, do, I do think that this is a book that people will, I hope, adore simply because of the consistently high quality of the art. And because we've been working on it now for many months in advance, it's wonderful to work with Valiant because Valiant is a company that believes in putting issues in the drawer and not just sort of chasing down every deadline that comes. We've been working on this for some months. We are quite a long way in, so we're... We've got a good long run of us together, the two of us doing this book, rather than uh, needing to rotate our teams or, or find fill, fill artists. Uh, it's uh, it, it's terrific. I think there's, it establishes a great consistency uh, as the series progresses. So um, rest assured that if you if you read the first issue and you like it, then that's what you're going to be getting. You're not going to get a couple of issues of that and suddenly it will change change style to a different artist and um which i think is always a it doesn't matter whether the different artist is equally good if you're if you want a book to look and feel the way a particular in a particular way if you're getting used to it the last thing you want is it to, to change change style unnecessarily um so yes devastating panels of action um insane levels of detail in the art um uh uh, lovely, lovely comedic touches of, of 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 the interior shots with things flying past the window outside, uh, suggesting even greater feats of, of 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 daring and violence. And we see people at one point, outlaws running away, firing over their shoulders in panic because they realise they've bitten off more than they can chew. Uh, I think those things are. Uh, are are very cool. In fact, in some respects, there's sort of more menace happening inside the. Uh, garage than there is happening outside because outside the menace is entirely manifest you know clearly Rai is tearing them apart so th there's no doubt at all what's menacing there inside there is a there is a much more contained menace in Rajin the bartender is is spooked by talking to this little robot boy who's saying these slightly distressing unnerving things to the point where the bartender even fears that Rajin is going to turn on him and kill him he's not uh, but Rajin doesn't necessarily read that he doesn't read those human emotions he doesn't read the 
the uh, the anxiety is building in his in his host at this point. He's uh, he's simply talking frankly. He's he's got no filter. He just says things very plainly, and because he says things plainly, they have a habit of alarming people. So he he explains in this this sequence of. Um, uh, uh, of conversation, what the offspring is, the nature of their quest, and the nature of their relationship together. Uh, and he does so, as he says at one point, he says, I have studied pop culture bartenders, and they're portrayed as good listeners. He justifies what he's doing because he's read this guy as a bartender and assumes that part of his service is to, is to, is to talk and, uh, and, uh, and hear his customers' uh, inner thoughts. Um, as they're sitting there um, having this conversation, and again, with this, this almost comedically insane violence happening outside the window silently by the way everything that was happening outside the window i wanted to be silent so there, there are sound effects when we're out in the open with the fight but when we see it through the window it's just happening like a back projection we don't hear the sounds from outside as if this glass is insulated i think that to me that's just very very funny uh i don't, I don't know why maybe i've just got a very sick and twisted sense of humor but as they sit there uh Raijin experiences a, uh, a sort of tingle, a flash, which we manifest as a sort of uh, a special effect, uh, which means that he's just picked up the trace of another offspring. And essentially, they've now got a scent. They've now got their first clue they need to follow to find the next, uh, the next stage of their quest. So he thanks the bartender and walks outside just as, as Rai finishes. And there's a wonderful sense of, uh, of Rai decelerating to normal in that final panel as, as, as the last of his uh, opponents collapses around him. Uh, and again, he's not broken a sweat. He's completely calm about it. He's just done what he needed to do. Raijin walks outside and says, I've detected a trace we must set off. And Rai goes, okay. Uh, it's as simple as that, completely matter of fact. Uh, and they, they literally walk back to their repaired vehicle as the, uh, as the dust just plumes around them from the, the aftermath of this fight, which we pull back on. Juan again doing some amazing cinematic scale there to show us the the appalling, I mean, sort of battlefield levels of, of, uh, of, of devastation left in the wake. You know, we've got tankers on their sides, burning vehicles, bodies everywhere, a, a dazed-looking Tyrannosaurus Rex staggering away. I think we've even got a downed Triceratops at one point that's, that's lying there like a, like a, 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 a slaughtered cow. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very impressive image. And again, it's, it's blending all the things that we wanted to blend, uh, you know, the scale, the cinematic uh, feeling to it, the definite nature of, of, of SF and also of surreality, uh, it, it's sort of all contained there. Everything that you're going to get out of this series um, is, is sort of locked there in that image. Is that the, you know, sort of this bizarre blending of elements that nevertheless make some kind of weird sense. And that's not to say that future issues will be exactly like this, although, although we are going to meet some dinosaurs again later on. I'm just for the, for dinosaur fans out there, we are. Um, these these uh, positronic dinosaurs are roaming around uh, like uh, like the escapees of some futuristic Jurassic Park. Um, but we uh, we're going to meet all sorts of different things. I think the important thing is not that that, that everything in this future Earth is going to look like this, uh, but this is a statement of intent in terms of the the sheer range and variety, the potential of the future Earth. In fact, next issue we get some amazing visuals that are completely different. At the very end of the issue, we have our sort of coda final page where we uh, uh, where we do what all good comics do, which is is flash briefly to the looming menace of the of the villain, uh, the the Red King, the Bloodfather, who uh, is monitoring this in in his uh, in his palatial residence, and uh, and he has detected the signal uh, from the early part of the issue, and he has realised that he's finally located 
the individuals, Rajin and Rai, are the only two people who, who can possibly thwart him in his quest, and therefore he begins to mobilise his forces against them. So this is setting up stuff that will happen uh, in the next few issues, um, bringing, uh, bringing our, our antagonists and protagonists sort of head-to-head in a, in a rather more direct clash. This world is, a, as I said, is a dangerous and bizarre world where there are going to be plenty enough dangers for, for, for Ryan Rajin to face anyway. Just their random encounters, their, their chance encounters in, in the course of their quest are going to give them problems. But the, um, uh, the uh, Bloodfather himself is a much more directed threat, uh, directed uh, um, uh, hostility towards him or towards them both, which will manifest as we see uh, that hunt pers- taking place over the next couple of issues, and 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 then building to a to an extraordinarily uh, bloody climax um, uh, around about the end of our what would it be our, roughly our first arc, so around about issues four and five. Um, I, th- I think it's a. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted with the first issue. I, I, you know, I would say that I wrote it. Uh, I'm delighted with the first issue because I think it looks amazing and and it sets the scene for what each issue is going to do, which is look extraordinary. Uh, I can't I can't praise Juan highly enough. I think he's doing the most extraordinary job. Um, I think there are little touches uh, of detail that just make this feel incredibly real, incredibly well realized. Um, his style is is very very distinctive as well. I I, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm I'm just so excited to be working with him. I think the story is decent enough. I think this is a great introduction to the characters and to the nature of what this series is going to be, and 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 to the dynamic that we're going to go on that we're going to obviously further explore. Um, and it sets us up, as I say, for 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 the issues to come. Where where next issue we have a what is technically speaking an extremely quiet issue but equally eerie it's it's an, an uh, uh, it's an, another episode on their trek one of the things i discussed with uh, liza the the editor uh, is is we were thinking back to the you know classic tv shows particularly the 60s citing star trek the early original series star trek is a good example um just the idea that that each episode was its own thing they would they the, the crew of the enterprise would arrive somewhere and do something and that would be that story, uh, and we wanted to do that a little bit with this. Is that the, the 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 nature of this Earth is is so varied. There are so many different enclaves and societies, and they're they're sort of some of them don't know about their neighbours, and that they could be very very different from one one community to another. That and also we have of course all the different sectors of New Japan that have recently crashed here. So we we've got whole areas that are that are sort of flavoured or attuned to a particular thing. We might have a a sector that was that was a, a you know sort of a, 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 a ancient Rome or, or something like that, or you know so we we sort of have these 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 theme park type areas uh, like the ones that contain the dinosaurs that dominate whole areas of the landscape. Um, so there is this uh, this great sense that their trek will take them through different areas where each time they will encounter radically different things. Uh, I think that's a I hope that's a very enticing thing for the for the for the readers. I hope that will keep you hooked. Uh, I, I there is, uh, as I say, we've tried to try to realise the world as well as possible. We've tried to introduce a good, strong flavour of of science fiction, perhaps with a slightly slightly satirical edge to it. Uh, but it's nevertheless, you know, real. It's not a it's not a joke story at all. Uh, however, there is human comedy coming out of the characters in places, particularly Rajin, which I, uh, I think is. Is a great relief from the, the the seriousness and from the the sheer menace of the 
chief villain and from the and from Rai's own seriousness you know it's, it's quite difficult to balance a character like that because because he could simply be the, the sort of unsmiling samurai warrior could be tremendously unsympathetic to the reader uh i i, I think he is surprising because i think even from this early stage we're getting a, getting a sense of his inner conflict and his his own sadness and if nothing else is sort of his own guilt um uh, about what he's had to do and the fact that nobody really understands why he's had to do it and that he's done it for the best reasons, but people hate him. Uh, but certainly Raijin is almost as an extension of him, that the two of them forming one character in as much as Raijin is the voice of his conscience, the, 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 the question, rise questioner and, and, and re- really, although they sort of dismiss the idea that they are brothers in any biological sense, that there, there is a fraternity between the two of them that allows Raijin to comment on Rai and, and in doing so the re- reader to understand more about Rai. So what would be grim and unsmiling if Rai was on his own is is nuanced by the presence of Raijin. Uh, and I think there is also, as I said earlier on, there is the question about exactly where that where that relationship is going to go and, and the fact that there is, in the same way that Raijin can create a sense, accidentally create a sense of menace when he's talking to regular humans just by having no filter, there is also a slight sense of menace is that we don't ultimately know how sympathetic Rai is going to be to Raijin as they progress, that uh, that will he consider him still to be a tool, uh, an instrument, uh, just a useful thing to have around, a device, uh, rather than um, uh, a friend or indeed as a brother or, or, or as, as a life worth preserving and looking after. Um, bearing in mind that back in Fallen World, uh, Raijin was was very much uh, part of Bloodfather's sort of personal army. He, he uh, not by choice, but he was working with the Bloodfather because he didn't necessarily know any better, and only changed sides when he realised quite how terrible um, Bloodfather was. Um, but I think there is an essence there that Raijin, who is uh, Rai, who is very uh, very honourable and very precise about these things possibly doesn't yet know if he can fully trust this strange robot boy that he's 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 obliged to work with uh because he's changed side once and he he you know his his Rajin's first inclination was to work for the for the worst possible person um it is that their relationship is a work in progress and indeed probably uh is the core of this series it, it you know the, the the nature of their relationship the nature of any kind of potential bond of affection or 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 or, or fraternal love uh, may or may not develop as we go along. Uh, so the 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 road trip, this science fiction, violent science fiction road trip, full of incredibly weird stopovers and strange uh, 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 rest stops, uh, is 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 the vehicle of the transmission as we tell the story of their quest and of the relationship. So if I was going to be very kind of like high concept about it, the, the quest isn't really to find the offspring, although of course it is because that's the whole point of the adventure. But the quest really is whether they, they find themselves or find each other and, and what the nature of that relationship is. Uh, but that, like I said, is far too high concept. It's a great adventure story. It's about two robot dudes <laughs> traveling the world uh, having adventures, trying to save the world from itself and trying to stop a menace that is absolutely unbelievably horrible. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I hope you certainly enjoy the astonishing artwork. Uh, we have put a lot of thought and effort into this. I hope it shows that we've tried to give it a flavour all its own. I'm, you know, I did, 
Um, there are a lot of great comics on the stands out there, and, and you've got to try and make your mark in a distinctive way to, 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 to arrest your audience, and I hope that this does. Uh, I think there's a lot. I think it's the sort of thing you could look back on several times. It's not a read it and then toss it aside thing. The, the, just just going back to look at the, uh, the, the 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 small detail and the the background elements in the art. I think is is worth it. Um, and there, as I say, we although it's a series of standalone uh, episodes to begin with, there is a building momentum. There is a meta story that's 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 gathering pace, even when you're not really aware of it. So that we're really going somewhere, and we've got sort of major, more major points of punctuation in the series, uh, so that there is a sense of uh, uh, of story arcs and, and bigger things happening and momentous things happening. And we're going to start to introduce some uh, some other supporting characters as the series progresses, both um, characters that you will recognise if you've read this uh, this strip or other Valiant strips before, which is going to be fun. Uh, and also uh, a couple of brand new characters that I think uh, uh, we've created specially for this world and for this story that I hope have uh, have longevity and that, that you will uh, that you will like a lot. There's 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 one in fact, and this is way in advance. But by the time we get to sort of issues five and six, there is one character there who was a perfect example of what I was talking about about the the collaboration between myself and Juan. In as much as it was it was a temporary character, a character needed for a short period of time. Uh, but when that character got on the page, I realised that I liked the character so much that I could suddenly see them becoming far more pivotal to the way the story progressed afterwards. And we sort of sort of revised what I wanted to do in order to include them and and and, and to make the story flow with that. I think that's that's a, that's always a good sign when you you know you you always plan out a series in advance and you have. Um, issues lined up and you know a working outline for the first year or whatever else like that I and mean, if nothing else you need to show that to the editor in order to get approval to start work uh, but I think you're never going to have all the good ideas you're going to have on day one when you're writing that outline in advance and it's it's got to expand and grow and evolve as you work into things and you, as, you, as you, you sort of you know get to the third or fourth issue and you go wait a minute this is quite a good idea there's something more I could do with this then you should have the flexibility to start uh, adjusting the way the course of the story is going to go to make room for the stuff that seems to be working or or just new ideas that come in that uh, uh, that seem to supplement and enhance what you're already doing. So uh, I hope uh, you enjoy it. I hope that I've said something remotely useful in the last uh, half an hour or so of your life when you've been listening to this. Um, uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to me. Uh, please, please, please let us know what you think and uh, and enjoy the read. Um, I guess that's it from me. Thanks a lot for listening. Goodbye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew, ew, ew.